0: here's Lamar on a run. he broke his ankles. Now he's got an And he's to touch We're
1: back. We're back.
0: 2nd to the We're back. Welcome on in to Crushing the Competition with JWB. We are here for week 10. I am your host, Justin, here as always with Tony. Tony, how you doing?
1: Good, man. You know, Tuesday, ready to talk some football, talk about a weird NFL week. Um, I don't know how it went for fantasy for you, but like the way the NFL week went versus my fantasy week were vastly different.
0: Was it? I, you know what? In a weird way, I kind of feel like it went the opposite for me, which says a lot about the personal life this past week. Uh, <laughs> I always break it down because I'm a big numbers analytical guy. I went seven and four on the week, which is one of like the worst weeks that I've had this year, which makes me feel pretty good overall, honestly. Um, I don't know, man. Like It was a weird week for fantasy. A ton of leagues that I was in, the mean score was so much lower what yeah. I'm used to seeing. I just happened to pull a couple of nice strings. Like I had a few different teams where I had pulled like Elijah Moore and Neheim Hines on Thursday. And God, did that work out yeah. like really well in my favor? So there were just, it was one of those weeks where if you made like one decision the right way, it could have the biggest of impacts. And I benefited from that in a couple of places. I have to imagine this week is real exciting for you. Not only is it good games, but we're going to get some mm-hmm. primetime Dolphins action on Thursday. You ready to go?
1: Uh, yes and no. Uh, I'm really hoping Tua plays because I think that's the only scenario sense. where it's a competitive game, at least for the three quarters. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm just excited for them to be on and I can just like watch every play of the game and not be distracted by red zone, this or that. So this should be
0: nice. Yeah, it's always nice. I love when the Browns are on Thursdays or Sunday night or Monday night mm-hmm. so that I have a chance to watch them from down here in Florida. I'm I'm ready, man. I may end up at this game on Thursday. So that's probably going to be my best of the week is if Mm -hmm. I can get myself some Thursday night football tickets down here. I'll tweet some pictures at you with with some fins up hashtags to get it going for Thursday. I'll be going hard in the green. I don't want the Browns division rival to get anything. So I'm all on the (laughs) Dolphins train for this week. That'll be a really, really good time. (laughs) But (laughs) I say we hop in, get a look at some stuff. We've got another one of those weeks where I feel it's going to take us forever to get through injuries. So let me get a sense of what you think about some of these things? So, right off the top, good lord, is Green Bay awful without Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. It is incredible when you can sometimes just see these instances where, what, like everybody and their brother was putting up points on the Chiefs on the Chiefs defense. All of a sudden, Jordan Love comes in and just looks like he hasn't seen competitive football in years. Oh yeah, and I I own a decent amount of Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones across some different teams. Do I? Do I got to be worried that I'm going to go another week again without Aaron Rodgers, or are you feeling like he's good this time? Um, I saw something today that, like, I think he's
1: still questionable to play on Sunday. So I think right now I'd be a little worried. I think I'd be less worried for Devontae Adams than um, – Yeah, Aaron Jones. Uh, I, I just feel like that's kind of Devontae Adams – wheelhouse is like I, I can be good with any quarterback I mean I know he struggled this week but it was the first time Jordan Love had played with that offense so I don't know I, I still think yeah maybe a week Rodgers. would have a
0: bit of a difference I mean I the Seahawks think... don't exactly boast like the best passing defense anyway yeah. so maybe it's good either way but this is really one of those weeks where Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and my teams could make a huge difference so I'm gonna hope for the best uh, now, I got caught out on one of my teams that did lose when I had to make the last second change from Kyler Murray to Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised by how well Colt McCoy played, but I kind of needed one of those, like, 30-point bombs from Kyler Murray to get the job um, done. Am I thinking I'm getting him back this week?
1: Uh, I think he's going to play. He was. I think it was, like, a really late call in terms of whether Kyler was going to play or not.
0: So that gives me a little bit of confidence going into this Sunday, at least. Yeah. I got one more for you on the questionable aspect, I guess kind of too. I saw Matt Stafford pick up an injury in this game here against the Titans. If memory serves me, he messed up the ankle, came back and finished the game. But I feel like, and if you look at this at yourself at home, there's been some coach speak from Sean McVay now the past like 24 hours about the status of Stafford like just one of those things where coaches say things and you think to yourself like I don't trust I don't yeah. trust what you have to say about anything at the moment are you worried about if Stafford's not going to be able to roll out cuz I think they have a Sunday night game a late game that I have to be worried about for this next week
1: Yeah I I don't know too much about that so I'm not I'm not too sure to Keep an eye on it yeah, I really then, need to pay attention to that because that could truly affect their uh,
0: fantasy pieces for sure. Yeah, everything, everything, especially Sunday night games. Like, that's the worst type of place to have an injury. Uh, and then one last one. Russell Wilson might be coming back this week from what I hear. Are we feeling optimistic about seeing an Aaron Rodgers-Russell Wilson battle, both coming back from injury? That'd be lovely.
1: Oh, that would be great. I think so. I, I've only heard good things about uh, Russell Wilson's status, so I'm kind of... Praying for it in terms of my DK Metcalf shares, but if he's back, yeah, certainly too. upgrade all
0: their offensive players. Yeah, I could use some DK Metcalf, uh, some bomb DK Metcalf numbers, I should say, in the yeah. subscriber league to keep me going there as the best as possible. Um, but here's part of the reason why I bring that up. It's a lot of iffiness in those injuries, isn't there? Rogers, Murray, Wilson, Stafford, like these are all guys who you just automatically roll out without thinking about them yeah. each week. And it seems like we're going to have at least a couple that are on the bubble of potentially being game time decisions. So two questions I want to ask you. One of them is which quarterbacks do you think you might be able to pick up and stream this week if you're looking for one of these injuries? And the second question, kind of more of like a strategy-based question that I thought you would be an excellent person to answer. I looked around a little bit, Tony, and I don't know that there's a better option for this week than Tua against a not-that-great Ravens defense. They've been giving up a lot of points, and I think you kind of wanted to ring the bell for Tua a little bit on the show today as well, and I'm right there with you. So I'm asking myself, and I'm wondering if maybe you can convince me, some of these teams where I've got your Kyler Murray's, Matt Stafford's, Russell Wilson's of the world where I'm not positive if they're going to play, how confident do I have to be in a guy like Tua to lock him in on a Thursday, right? Like, I can't even give myself the luxury of waiting until the Sunday window if I want to play Tua. He strikes me as the best streaming option for this week. Right. Do I lock him in on Thursday and just go for it?
1: Man, I would. I mean, I know I am. As long as he's cleared before game time, like if he's cleared Thursday morning or late Wednesday, I'm totally confident in rolling with Tua this week. We just saw him finish at quarterback two the other week. Like why? who's to say yeah. you can't do that again against a bad secondary? Um, that, that's that's right. kind of where my head's at. Yeah, and that's where my head's at. It's like I wouldn't start him over Stafford unless we find out more about the Stafford injury in the next day and a half. Like if it's if it turns out to be worse than we think by Thursday morning, I would definitely roll, out, roll with Tua. Uh, Russell Wilson, I'm pretty confident he's going to play. So I, I think I would still go with Russell Wilson over Tua. Just better playmakers on that team, overall better team in my opinion. And then Kyler, I don't – if Kyler's playing and he's cleared in the next day and a half, I wouldn't play Tua Kyler.
0: It's just rough in that injury window, and I'm dealing with that on a lot of fronts this week. I'm sure I can't be the only one. If I wait it out, if I try and make it till Sunday and find out after I can no longer play Tua that one of my guys is gone, here's a few people that jump out to me that are probably available on some waiver wires. Tell me if anybody here sticks out to you or maybe who your favorite is. I'm sure people can get Mac Jones to go up against the Browns. A lot of leagues are going to have Matt Ryan going against a Cowboys defense that we just saw Teddy Bridgewater torch. A lot of people ought to have Carson Wentz with a home game against Jacksonville sitting on their waiver wire. Ben Roethlisberger is not widely owned, and they're going to welcome the Lions defense in of all potential things there. Teddy Bridgewater's got the Eagles, which is maybe a little bit of a harder matchup, but obviously everyone just saw him do so well last week. Any of those guys that you would be very confident about?
1: Who are the first two?
0: First two, let's go back to the list. Mac Jones, who you can okay. grab against the Browns. Yeah, Mac Jones. Stable floor doesn't turn the ball over too much. You know, might be a nice solid floor play for you. Matt Ryan against a Cowboys defense that just got torched by Teddy.
1: Yep. Um, of that list, I think I'd go with Mac Jones. Um, he's been playing pretty well. And the team themselves is kind of surging right now. And with the Bills' struggles, that team's going to – they could catch some uh, second half of the season momentum. Um, You know, Mac's just really just fitting in that system pretty well. He's getting the ball where he needs to, and he's got a run game to assist him. So, with the Browns' defense, who we've seen can implode like no other, I think I would roll with Mac Jones out of that group.
0: I definitely think he's the best floor play of everybody who's available on that list as well. Yeah. I I don't know why, like, I haven't looked too much into the statistical side of this, but my eyes keep getting drawn to Matt Ryan. Against the Cowboys as well as an option that would work out okay. I think they had a London game not that long ago where I had to roll with Matt Ryan to cover like a Justin Herbert buy or something like that, and it worked out pretty well in that instance as well. Was that against you? Yeah. <laughs> so I, there's there's some things in there that I think would be pretty solid as far as streamers go, but that's kind of the point, man. Like none of those names are more exciting to me than Tua. Yeah. So it's gonna be a. It's going to be a tricky 48 hours before that Thursday kickoff to decide what to do. Well, look,
1: look, it's it's fantasy football, and if you're in a position where you got to pick one of those six guys, roll the dice, risk it. Go with the guy that has the highest ceiling, basically. That's what I would do in that scenario, and I just feel like of of most of those guys, like, Mac Jones got that potential to slap down a 25-point week.
0: Yeah, that's huge. That's very, very huge, so we'll see how it pans out. Uh, let's switch over and look at some running backs. We got a couple of things that are interesting here. Obviously, Derrick Henry's out. We got our first look at what the Titans' rush game would look like. A lot of us thought McNichols was going to be the guy to go after in PPR and half PPR. Mm-hmm. And he had a few catches. Deontay Foreman was on the field a lot more than I wish he was. And even <laughs> though it was only for about 20 yards, AP fell into the end zone like AP going do. Yeah. And here we are with a bit of a conundrum. I think you and I both kind of felt like McNichols was the one out of the three that would be best to go after. Have your yeah. feelings changed after seeing it last week?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a messy three-way split. i, I, I That's what I have the most confidence in, in saying. Because Me like AP is probably going to get that goal line work. So there you go. He probably falls in the end zone every other week or something like that. McNichols and Foreman, they'll, they'll probably just toss them both in when they're doing a pass play or need someone to pass block. It's just kind of a messy situation, and it's like, unless you're desperate, find someone else.
0: Stay out, yeah. That's what makes me nervous, is I have a few teams, especially ones that had Derrick Henry, where I was really yeah. hoping I would get something out of McNichols, and all, all of a sudden now I find myself feeling like none of the three of them right. are playable. And that sucks to go you know, from the team that had the league's leading rusher to now we can't even get anything out of their backfield for fantasy usage. That's rough. So maybe we'll have some different news for everybody next week. Uh, James Robinson kind of surprised me on some teams when he didn't play, but by all accounts, he's going to be back ready to go this week. So we shouldn't have anything there. David Montgomery made his return last week and it was billed as if it was going to be a slow work back to a normal workload. I don't know if maybe I missed something and I didn't get a chance to look at snap counts, Tony, but I felt like every time I looked at the screen, Montgomery was in that game I feel like he played a lot more snaps than I expected him to I felt like he looked pretty good in his return did you get a chance to see him in action at all
1: yeah I watched the first half I fell asleep in the second half but um, <laughs> as we will <laughs> Khalil Herbert, Herbert was out there a decent chunk in the first half but I think when they gave the ball that's when you notice Montgomery when they gave the ball to him but if I, I'm pretty sure they had Herbert in for most of the pass blocking situations. And kind of the dump-off scenario. So, like, every time you look up and it's a run play, it was always Monty because he was ready to go. But, like, pass blocking, I think they threw in Herbert to give Monty rests.
0: I'll tell you this, though. If you're somebody out here watching or listening to us who has benefited from some shares of Khalil Herbert, they are on the buy this week in Chicago. So treat it as if you've got this week and next week to find a potential replacement if you were relying on Herbert a little bit because chances are he's not going to be the guy to score you points going forward, Monty is probably going to come back from the bye week and get a good chunk of the work there as he would have beforehand. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, on the other side, Monty's back, Chase Edmonds goes. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of people who are probably still relying on Chase Edmonds as an RB2, as a flex play. He's going to be out for a few weeks. That is really going to clear the way for James Conner, who has been yeah. extremely impressive. We're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, so we'll come back to that there. Uh, but I did want to leave some time to get your opinion on Dearness Johnson. So I think you and I found out in the past couple hours before we hopped on air here mm-hmm. that both Nick Chubb and Felton are on the COVID list They are both vaccinated, which makes this a tricky situation. If you want Dearness Johnson, you got to go out and get him now. Many leagues, you're going to find somebody already owns him from before. But just to be clear, both of those guys are going to have an opportunity to test on Saturday morning. If they're negative Saturday morning and not showing symptoms, they're going to be cleared and ready to go for Sunday. Obviously, that means a lot more for Nick Chubb than Felton, as he would essentially just go back to a normal workload. But let's assume for a moment that those two guys are out. We saw Dearness Johnson come in as the only running back a few weeks ago and do a great job. This is a different sort of matchup on the road against the Patriots. If it is the Dearness Johnson show part two, what do you expect to see from him in Foxborough?
1: Um, look, he was he, – he shut me up on that week he started. He was one of my sit, sit candidates. And, like, I changed my mind. The, the guy can play and, like – Against New England, I'm really not that worried because it's still the Browns offensive line. And now that OBJ is gone, we kind of saw that offense have some mojo. I think the earnest part two is in the books if this happens. Like, maybe not necessarily as big of a week, but definitely a good week if he's starting.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. Luckily for me, I think a couple of places where I had bid for him, I decided just to hold on to him and still have him. But I'm with you, man. Like, I distinctly remember telling Troy King, of all people, the week before. Yeah. Like, nah, don't worry about it. Like, there's no reason to pick up either Felton or Johnson. Like, with if Hunt's out and Chubb's out, they're just going to split the ball evenly between the two. You wouldn't want to own either of them and then looked like an idiot right. on Thursday night when he went absolutely crazy. So we'll see how that goes. Um one more running back question for you. Same game, other side there. I think we got concussions or issues with both Harris and Stevenson. What's going on in the New England backfield? Who the hell's gonna play now?
1: Yeah, I was listening to the fantasy football podcast today and they were both talking about how they they just got in went into the concussion protocol either Monday morning or this morning, but uh definitely got to pay attention to that because if both of them are, don't clear protocol, then they only have Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor at running back.
0: Yeah, I wonder how much damage Brandon Bolden could do given like a good opportunity. He's just one of those guys that I feel like every time he surfaces, half the time it's for good value. So yeah. I'd be curious to see how that goes as well. I don't think the Browns are particularly... Bad on defense, but they're not particularly great on defense, so they're kind of right. susceptible to both sides of the coin there, which makes it pretty interesting. Um, only really one wide receiver that I wanted to go over with you, and that's Chase Claypool, just because we know MRI today, no real word yet. I guess we don't know. Let's prepare for the worst and say that Claypool's out. What like Deontay Johnson? You're kind of just playing him every week, right? Like I think he had like his worst game of the year. He did last night, but for the most part, he's just been automatic to get you some good points in half PPR, we got to figure that his volume will go up even higher. Najee's volume will go up even higher. So my real question is, let's say we get another week of no Eric Ebron. How much more work did James Washington and Pat Friermuth get if Chase Claypool is now out as well?
1: I, For me, like I see Friermuth getting a little bit of a bump, a couple more targets or at least more looks. Uh, but then actually like, Part of me thinks that Ray Ray McLeod can kind of come out of nowhere and have, really?
0: a little, like, have a
1: little like wide receiver three week out of nowhere. That
0: would be something to see. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Like, Detroit's the type of defense where he can run the sort of routes that he can turn into a big yeah. play here or there. So it's interesting.
1: That's, That's just a good that call, man. Is... We'll
0: see how that one plays out for sure.
1: Yeah, it's just like I haven't loved what James Washington had did the past few weeks with Juju out, so – yeah, you get a guy who's explosive and could give you a big playability like Ray Ray McLeod, like toss him in there, see what happens.
0: Yeah, right. Uh let's talk tight ends real quick. Logan yeah. Thomas maybe comes back this week. Yeah. It depends on how you feel about it, but I'm of the mind that Logan Thomas is one of the better tight ends to own anyway in fantasy football and the Bucks are the sort of defense you got to throw and throw to a tight end on to be successful wouldn't be the least bit surprised that if Logan Thomas is activated if he's able to go out and grab you four or five catches and a decent amount of yards has some touchdown upside so keep an eye on Logan Thomas owners of Logan Thomas hopefully you stashed him on the IR if he's out on the waiver wire maybe you got a chance to get him but one that's a little more curious for me man let's say you're not the guy with Kelsey Waller Kittle You've got that whole intermediate area where maybe you've been playing Dan Arnold, Hunter Henry, Jared Cook, like whoever you can find from week to week. A lot of leagues are going to find that Dawson Knox is out there and available after being out for a couple of weeks. He's got a matchup on the road against the Jets. Dawson Knox ought to be back and healthy this week. Are you picking him up and playing him?
1: Definitely. I mean, we've seen the connection between him and Josh Allen. It was a beautiful thing until the finger injury. If he's clear to go,
0: I'm I'm playing easily. Fire it up, look for yeah. the red zone target, and ride it into the sunset. Yeah, I honestly think I might be doing that, which is tough. You know what I mean? Like I have a team, for example, where I've been really pleased with what I've seen out of Dan Arnold since I got him the past couple of weeks. And it's a bit of a rough decision, but I do feel like I'm probably going to end up sitting Arnold to play Knox instead. And we'll see if I can uh, get that to work out in my favor. But yeah. one more before we move on to a roundtable discussion. Tell me a little bit about Greg the Leg. <laughs> Greg
1: Zerline got put on the COVID list, so uh, he's not going to be playing on Sunday. So if you need a kicker streamer, look for the Cowboys to see who they signed this week. But that one was in honor of uh, Linda and her big announcement today where she uh, got her uh, kicker rankings uploaded to the My Fantasy League site with uh, Matthew Barry. So I thought that was cool.
0: Yeah, Linda is one of like the truly great people in the community. Had a wonderful time getting to meet her in Canton. We wish nothing but the best to her and everybody else. That's a really, really awesome accomplishment for her. And they are the best damn kicker rankings anybody's ever had a chance to work <laughs> off of. I'll tell you that for sure. If you are not familiar with this and you're listening to us, find those kicker rankings and live and die by them week to week because they are absolutely perfect the majority of the time. Uh, what do you say we talk some running backs and wide receivers? They're the bread and butter of everybody's fantasy team. We're at about the halfway mark of a weird season where there's now additional weeks. So what I wanted to do, Tony, is I wanted to take a look at guys who are every week starters and then people who are outside of that range and get a sense of maybe who not to believe in that has been great so far and who's outside the top group that we might be able to look at. So let's start here with some running backs. If you are in a 12-person half PPR league, right? Every running back one through 24 is RB1 and RB2. Guys that are 25 through 30 are kind of like your fringe flex players. And for many of your teams, those are going to be the guy that you use as RB2. Up at the top of the board, it's kind of the usual suspects for me, man. People that we all took in round one and round two. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, and Najee Harris. It's after you get through the top six that I think it starts to get a little bit interesting. I got Corderell Patterson as running back seven. James Conner as running back nine. Daryl Henderson as running back 11. So if we look at those three RB1s at this point of the year, Corderell Patterson, James Conner, and Daryl Henderson, who's the one guy that's going to fall backwards out of the RB1 territory?
1: Uh, for me, it's Corderell. I mean, like, it's been super cool to see what he's doing. But as the season goes on, I feel like he could, they, they could just start passing the ball around more without Calvin in their lineup. And I think that kind of throws a loop into what they had with Calvin playing was like Correll didn't have the premier defender on him. And now it's like, is a premier defender on Kyle Pitts or Correll Patterson? I mean, probably switching back and forth depending on where they're on the field. So of those three that you mentioned, he's got to be a guy that I think kind of falls out of RB1 but still stays like high RB2 territory.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting how the season has went for all three of these guys. I think James Conner is a good candidate to regress if the touchdowns come down a little bit. Uh, Daryl Henderson, I expected to be stable after the injury news earlier in the year. I didn't expect him to be an RB1 in any format that rewarded catches, but here we are. It's been that kind of season. Uh, Surprisingly, after Daryl Henderson is where you get DeAndre Swift and Nick Chubb, who I both thought had a good chance to be top five running backs this year and Sure, like, Chubb's been out a little bit. We'll see how it goes for some of those guys. But, Tony, 14, 15, 16 are real interesting. We got Mm. Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, and Damian Harris coming in back-to-back-to-back as high-end RB2s. Same question. Which one of those guys is going to fall backwards out of the top 24?
1: Uh, For me, Melvin Gordon, um, I'm still in the mindset that, like, as as successful as Melvin Gordon has been doing, I just have this gut feeling that Javante Williams is going to start getting more and more work. Um, kind of like the Nick Chubb rookie year experience where like week nine or 10 rolled around and Chubb just kind of started doing his thing and they like they realized what they had. I don't see Fournette dropping out anywhere because he's gonna score and he's gonna get the ball. We've seen that he's their RB1 by far. Damian Harris, he's almost exactly where I had him rank right coming into the season. Like, that was when I had him at 19, wow. and he's at 16 was right now. Much lower on
0: Damian Harris before the season, so good for you.
1: Yeah, no, he was all over the place for people just because of all the news at the beginning of the year. But, like, just for whatever reason, I thought Damian Harris was going to thrive on that offense because I was in the mindset that Mac Jones was going to be successful, and here we are. He's seen it. They are successful. Like, they're 5-3, and three, borderline going to be in the first in that division if they can beat the Bills, which I think is, like, a doable thing. So of those three running backs, I've just got Damian Harris as being the one that stays, if not goes up. Granted, he might miss some games, so that could fight against him. But Melvin Gordon's got to be the guy that I see dropping.
0: Yeah, I think I would buy that same take as well, which is an interesting note. And you know what? To round this out here with our guys in the top 30, I'll give you kind of a weird wrinkle to this question because it did jump out at me that Melvin Gordon is running back 14 and half PPR, Javante's 25. So that offense is sustaining two running backs, yeah. which has been really, really interesting. Now, I'll tell you, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way I do, that it hasn't been great for Jamonte Like, I have some teams where I've been playing him a lot, and it's just, it, the numbers are fine. Like, he's coming in as a top 30 running back, but I never feel at the end of the week, like, I got what I wanted. It's just a steady stream of yeah. you know, six, eight, nine, tens, and like, that gets you into top 30 running back category, but it's never like that big blow up game that I'm looking for. But as I noticed on here, Tony, that Melvin Gordon is there at 14 and Javante's here at 25. I notice a couple of duos. Antonio Gibson is at 21, which is a lot lower than I figured he would be at the beginning of the year. JD McKissick is at 29. Josh Jacobs, despite all the injuries, is at 26. Kenyon Drake is at 30. So there's actually three teams here that I'm noticing that have pairs of guys who have made their way into the top 30. Which one of those teams, we got the Broncos with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, the Raiders with Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, and Washington football team with McKissick and Gibson. Which one of them is going to have the most promising future outlook for both guys?
1: Uh that Gordon and Javante, because I just kind of basically see them switching
0: spots, like where they are right now. Yeah, one goes up, the other goes down. They just kind of meet in the middle. Yeah, basically. Like I could
1: – someone oh, – I forget the duo last year, but they literally finished like 19th and 20th, whoever it was. I remember looking at last year's finishes, and I was like, that's crazy that both their running backs ended like that. And I can't – maybe it was the Browns actually – because, like, weren't Chubb and Kareem, like, 7 and 8
0: last year? They were pretty good. I know I'm kind of aging myself a little bit here, but, I mean, we've <laughs> seen it. We've had years where Kamara and Ingram yeah. would both finish in the top 10. Like, you could take both guys in the first round of fantasy drafts and it would be be viable. So, it, it's not unheard of. It's just interesting to see how that sticks out. I think the one for me is probably Washington. I feel good about Antonio Gibson continuing to climb higher up than 21 and like McKissick just is that dude who's going to finish like somewhere in the back end 20s. You kind of figure it's, you're going to have an occasional week. That's no good. An occasional week. That's a blow up, but for the most part, he'll stay in that area. So it's interesting to see how many teams are really able to use multiple running backs now. Cause I don't remember this being quite as big in the past. Um, Let me switch gears with you for a minute. How about a couple of guys who are outside of the top 30 that I expected to be well within? Give me one or two of them that you think at the end of the year could crack the top 12 by finishing as an RB1. So right now, RB12, that's DeAndre Swift. He's at about 122 points. David Montgomery is at 65. So I'm looking for a guy who the last nine weeks of the season can give me another 100, 150 points. That's 10 to 15 points a game, and he might be able to work himself into an RB1 category. I got David Montgomery at 34, Christian McCaffrey at 36, Saquon at 43, Miles Sanders at 45, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 50, and I'll give you one more, Chris Carson at 55. That's a lot of guys that we use second and third round picks on. In McCaffrey's case, we use 101 on him. I think McCaffrey's an obvious candidate, right, to just get healthy and blow up and do what he's supposed to do. So maybe let's set him aside as an anomaly. Out of Monty, Barkley, Sanders, CEH, and Carson, who you want to hit your wagon to if you have to?
1: First one would be Monty. Uh, Just think Monty has earned my respect, and I absolutely think he's – a great running back that will thrive in no matter what offense. Um, is
0: it workload or skill set now for him? Because I know the gripe was always awful skill set, but solid workload. I kind of think people might be starting to change their opinion to great workload, good skill set.
1: Which is fine. As long as you're getting a workload, you're still going to produce fantasy points. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking fantasy, not real life NFL. So as long as he's getting points, who cares how he gets there? But I do think I agree.
0: Interesting. I think I might take that same pick as well in that situation. I would, I would love, you know, I'm going to go outside the box here. I would love to go Saquon. I think there is a world in which all of this time off in this middle portion of the year may benefit him. Yeah. So I, he is still a guy where if I could get him on the cheap, I wouldn't mind going after him just to have him as an RB2 if I needed to, especially because he is the type of guy where you acquire him and then all of a sudden. You have Saquon added to your running back room in the playoffs and your team's damn near unbeatable when he's going for 15, 20 points a game. So I'm still going to try and stay as optimistic as I can on Saquon Barkley at this point. Um, Let's do the same thing. I like this is a solid topic. Let's do some wide receivers here and see what we get. Because looking at the top 40, we'll say, since most teams play three wide receivers, let's look at the top 40 wide receivers. Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill just doing their thing at the top of the board. What a season Cooper Cup is having. It's just incredible. There's a few guys that I didn't expect to be this high up. You got Jamar Chase at three, Debo Samuel at four, Marquise Brown at five, and then Michael Pittman, who I think you have kind of been right about all year long, sitting there at number nine. If you got to pick one of those guys, Chase, Samuel, Marquise Brown, or Michael Pittman, that's going to fall outside of the top 12, is it just definitely Hollywood Brown? Or do you feel like one of those other guys would regress?
1: I think Debo more than Hollywood Brown. I mean, we just interesting. Debo just had a terrible week. I mean, I know the 49ers didn't play all that well, but like I don't think the 49ers have been playing all that well in general this season. So if they keep up if they keep up this inconsistent offense, I know he's been great, but if if they can keep up this inconsistent offense, I mean, sure he okay, so let's look at his past few weeks. He had Got to switch to half PPR here. He went eight and a half this week, twenty seventeen fourteen. 14. Like, his floor right now is a seven-point week, and his ceiling is 31. If the offense can't continue to thrive and score, like, it kind of makes me worried for him. Not worried, but, like, you could probably trade him for a really good piece now that would stay consistent, like a Devontae Adams or a Chris Godwin or a Robert Woods. Like, Robert Woods is 11 and a half PPR.
0: Yeah. You know he's like? Silently, silently sneaking up the board. I noticed that as well. Yeah. Like, I think it's up to look Woods. at a guy like Robert Woods and not feel like because Cooper Cup has had the season that he's had that Woods must be trash yeah but I noticed the same thing that you did man like Cups there at one Woods is at 11 and you know Van Jefferson's in the top 40 Van Jefferson's at 38 as well so all of a sudden there's three top 40 receivers coming out of this Matt Stafford offense and it's it's nuts man like the first couple weeks we were ready to bury Robert Woods and now here he is at 11 yeah it's crazy It's a good group that's there behind some of those guys. You make an interesting point there that if I'm sitting on somebody like Debo, if I'm sitting on somebody like Hollywood Brown, who would be my answer for the guy that would regress, you never know what's going to happen with the passing pieces in Baltimore. And I'm definitely of the mind that as Rashad Bateman ascends, we're going to end the season with him being the guy that's getting all the love and getting the majority of the targets out there when Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson is dropping back. And like, it's not that Marquise Brown's going to fall off the map. It's that he's five right now. That's yeah. so good. Like there's regression to be had there. So I didn't think about this until you said it, but if I'm sitting on a guy like Debo or Brown or Pittman, as much as I know you love him, yeah. and there are dudes like Thielen at 14, Jeff- Justin Jefferson at 15, CeeDee Lamb at 16, DeAndre Hopkins at 17. Man, like there are a lot of guys who you might be able to go one for one and pick up a player who may have a better end to the year there. Let me give you a couple other names that I thought were really interesting. You got Christian Kirk at 21, Jalen Waddle at 26, two Broncos that are not named Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton at 28, Tim Patrick at 29, Emmanuel Sanders at 30, and then a real big one for me, Hunter Renfro at 31, who for obvious reasons is now going to be getting a lot more targets. Yeah. Anybody sitting there? That's technically your list of like wide receiver late two, early three. Yeah. So Christian Kirk, Jalen Waddell, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Emmanuel Sanders, Hunter Renfro. Which one of those guys is going to go top 10?
1: Top 10?
0: Yeah. Who's got that type of power? Oh, hmm. It's rough, right? Like, uh, Christian, it can't be Christian Kirk for me. I think he's <laughs> the first guy that we would have to say probably starts to come back to the back. I don't think I would be confident saying Tim Patrick is going to go that high. No. But, I mean, man, I can't – I love Jalen Waddle's game and I love Hunter Renfro's opportunity. Those are two guys I might be all over at the moment. I yeah, can see I, them working themselves into the teens and maybe hopping over some guys. Here's the difference. I
1: think – I think Waddle, the Dolphins really don't have anything to lose anymore. So they're just going to be figuring – trying to find things that work and shooting for the stars probably the rest of the way. If you're of that group of guys, I'm going to say Jalen Waddle has the most potential to climb the board to what you're saying. I don't think it's top 10, but, like, if we're talking, like, percent chances, it's probably him. Like, Renfro, he gets banged up all the time. And it's the Raiders who always implode the second half of the season. We've seen that not in, wrong begin. That's why I give Waddle a little bit extra edge on Renfro. But you are right. Renfro is going to be a PPR machine.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about that. I've got a few pickups of him that are going in. Uh, let me give you one more set of guys that I thought was interesting. I really like the list of dudes who are 35 through 39, kind of like your back-end flex players this year. I have a lot of these guys on all my teams, and I felt good about them. I'm curious about how who your favorite is. You got A.J. Green at 35, Cole Beasley at 36, Marvin Jones, who I feel like we talk about a lot, at 37, Van Jefferson at 38, and Kendrick Bourne at 39. That little segment right before you get to 40 and half PPR rankings. Who's your dude in that group?
1: Cole Beasley. Why is that? He's just he's look, he's like the the Randall Cobb or the Hunter Renfro of the Bills. He's gonna be that check down wide receiver, short, quick route guy that like look, we've seen weeks where Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs are all successful in their weeks. It's just the Bills' offense. They don't have a rush game, so they just pass. It's just what they do. And Cole Beasley is going to be the guy that probably sees more targets than Emmanuel Sanders as the season goes on. That's maybe a bold take for me, but, like, you got Sanders at 30 and Beasley at 36. Could easily see those two swapping spots and Cole Beasley Beasley pushing towards a wide receiver two spot, like a low-end wide receiver two.
0: Interesting. I kind of like that take, man. I'm hoping that's that's what we see by the end of the year. Uh, one more set. Let me give you some big names who are outside the top 50. And let's just do a little reset on the board here. You got DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, all kind of in the teams, right? So I'm looking at these guys who are big names, who are outside the top 50, I'm curious who you think can score well enough to work themselves kind of into that top 20 range by the end of the year. You got Calvin Ridley with a bunch of uncertainty. Alan Robinson, who has just been dead and buried by everybody. Mm -hmm. Brandon Ayuk, who's trying to bring himself back from the dead the past two weeks. Julio Jones, in and out from injury. He's all the way back at 71. Odell Beckham at 86, and we're waiting to figure out what team he ends up on. And Jerry Judy at 105, just now coming back from injury.
1: Who There's a the lot third? of
0: really interesting guys. Who Calvin Ridley, guy? Allen Robinson, Brandon Ayuk, mm-hmm. Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Jerry Judy. So let's reset that one more time for the listeners. All outside of the top 50, Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, Brandon Ayuk, Julio Jones, OBJ, and Jerry Judy. Who's the one guy on that list that can crack the top 20 by the end of the year?
1: Ah, oh, top 20. I think it's got to be Judy. I mean, he came back week one and he looked great and he was getting targets left and right. Like, I think he's going to be the most reliable guy out of that. Julio's just been banged up all season so far. Like, I, I doubt he moves up much. Ridley, I mean, I wish the guy well, but who even knows if he'll be back this year? Like, he's got to take care of himself. And, like, mental health is not something that just goes away in a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Like, it, I hope the best for him, but I doubt he sees the field this year.
0: It's not like (laughs) you're just dealing with a shoulder where you can say it's a two- to four-week timeline. Yeah, it's
1: your
0: brain. situation.
1: It's your brain, man. you got to take care of that. And Odell, even if he goes somewhere, if he's a contender, he's automatically going to be a wide receiver, too. Like, I don't see a huge surge from him second half of the season if he goes to somewhere with a lot of talent around him. Uh, Ayuk... I just think Debo Samuel is going to remain the the main guy other than Kittle in San Fran. So that's, that's – yeah. Alan Robinson, he was getting looked at last night. He had a big catch at the end of the game, I'm pretty sure. But, again – Just
0: one big catch a game ain't going to do it.
1: Yeah, no. Like he yeah. could go back to having three points a week.
0: Like, that, that, that's at I mean. any given moment. You know, it's interesting, man, because I think that, like, I wasn't trying to lead you to that answer, but that's my answer, too, is Jerry Jr. Yeah. And that's wild, because at 105, he's got the furthest way to go. Although I, I will admit, as much as I hate to say it out loud on recording, that I have put in quite a few waiver claims for Brandon Ayuk this week, and I don't feel good <laughs> about it anywhere. But I kind of feel like I want to stay out in front of it in case he decides he wants to be back. Like, wasn't some, like what wasn't there a statistic last year that, like, he ended the season Really, really well. Yeah. And now I'm starting to ask myself, like, are we going to see the same second half Brandon Ayuk? And if so, can I get him now? So we'll we'll see. Chances are I'm probably very, very wrong about that, um, which is a great segue. Let's be accountable for prayer for square scare and prayer last week. You can shake your head. I'm not going to boo you for saying that A.J. Brown was going to have a good game because I'm a big believer in A.J. Brown. Three and one is a solid, solid way to go for takes for the week. So last week, Tony goes square on A.J. Brown. He finishes with 6.7 half PPR points, but also drops about three passes. That would have put him easily into the double digits. So kind of just an instance of right process, wrong result for you on that one. I recommend that everybody have DJ Moore take a seat on the bench, and he went for 4.6, so absolutely spot on there. Uh, we had a very interesting circumstance where I put out a prayer on Kenyon Drake thinking we would not see Josh Jacobs. We saw Josh Jacobs. Yeah. So we saw a good Josh Jacobs, and Kenyon Drake still <laughs> gave me 13 points, so you got to love the yeah. luck factor involved with that particular one. Um, and I can't really say that we were right or wrong about Michael Carter. We felt pretty good about the Michael Carter and the Colts matchup. Yeah. Anytime you're talking about a guy as a prayer and he gives you 9.1 points, you can't really be excited or disappointed. Like, he just kind of hit in the middle. Nine yeah. is not a terrible running back score and half yeah. PPR. So we're going to call it kind of like a 2-1-1 one, one week, yeah. so to speak, which is pretty solid overall. This week, you have another square recommendation for us. What are you thinking?
1: I'm going with Antonio Gibson. Uh fresh off they had a bye, correct?
0: Uh, they absolutely did, yeah. Yeah. So, so he's there. had some injury issues here and there, yeah. but now he's had the week off to get better going up against the Bucks defensive, I believe.
1: Yeah, they are, and that's one of the better rush defenses. But this this is where I'll clarify why I think he's a square play. I, I have this feeling. I don't know if it's a feeling or it's just I feel like it's the kind of game where. Washington's passing offense will kind of have things going for them. And I can just see some goal line carries for Antonio Gibson, whether he falls in once or maybe twice. I don't know how I feel about twice, but like I could easily see him getting a a touchdown from the two yard line, give him 50 or 60 yards with that and a couple catches. You're talking 13, 14, 15 points. I mean, what more could you want from a defense like the Buccaneers? And so – when I was looking at some of these matchups, I was just like, you know what? I love Gibson preseason. I'm not giving up on him. I can see him just popping off against a good defense. I mean, he he did it against the Steelers last year and that matchup. on well, like I feel like that was like a Wednesday night game. Was that one of those weird rescheduled ones or something? But either way, um, I just I have a feeling that Gibson kind of impresses. I think he's projected 10 in full PPR and kind of feel like that's disrespectful. So I'm, I'm hoping he comes – comes out and he's a square play this week.
0: Yeah, you know, originally when we started putting the show together, I had had him on the scare list just because the Bucs traditionally yeah. are solid and stuff in the run. You want to attack them by going through the air, and especially if Logan Thomas comes back. You know, I think Curtis Samuel goes this week as well. Yeah. You're looking at a really interesting Washington offense where if the Bucs are able to score points, which I imagine they are, the game script calls for kind of a J.D. McKissick sort of week. A bunch of pass protection. McKissick's out there to catch checkdowns yeah. when the blitz is going to get to Heineke and cause a problem. But you got Curtis Samuel running some Curtis Samuel gadget routes, so to speak, right? Logan Thomas in the middle, Terry McLaurin on the side. It strikes me as a week where they may throw it a ton and Gibson wouldn't have a good week. But after you mentioned that you were thinking about doing him as a square play, I think you kind of won me over there. You know, like I went back and looked a little bit and like Khalil Herbert did have a hundred yards on this team not that long ago with mm-hmm. a couple of big plays in there. Uh Kamara found the end zone in the game, in the Trevor Simeon game from before the bye. So I think this might just be an instance where I'm the target market for the argument you're making. Like I think of Antonio Gibson been bad for a few weeks. Been banged up. Now he's got the Bucks. Probably a candidate to not play. But the more you look into the research side of things, I think you're on the right side of this debate here. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, on my end, I'm gonna give you the scare play for the week because I absolutely love him and did not realize how bad things have been the past few weeks for mm. a dude that I have been a big fan of, and that is Mike Williams. So I know he came out and at the beginning part of the season was like wide receiver one back and forth for a couple of weeks and was so impressive. And I think a lot of that stems from just my love of their offense and my love of Herbert and how good Eckler's been. And, you know, when Herbert's good and Eckler's good and Mike Williams is good, your head kind of tells you that everything's great. So one of the things that made me want to put him on the scare list is – I feel like Mike Williams has kind of been this guy where for most of us in the past few weeks, we just penciled him immediately into the lineup without paying any attention to anything. But you know, Tony, since the knee injury a few weeks ago, he has not been the same player. If you look at the overall season at this point, we got eight games out of Mike Williams and he's had two huge games, two medium games, and four games that were just bad. Yeah. So 75% of his games are equal to or below what I'm looking to get out of a receiver and half PPR in this narrative that's been going on in my own mind that because he was so explosive earlier in the year that he should always be played no matter what. I think it's kind of time to sit that down. Like I'd like to see Mike Williams have another week of a bunch of yards and a ton of targets before maybe I automatically work him back into the lineup. A couple of guys for me, for example, that I would have been playing Mike Williams over weekend and week out are Jalen Waddell. Michael Pittman and Robert Woods, two dudes who we just, or three dudes that we just talked about being kind of in the upper echelon of wide receivers. Like the way that Mike Williams started, I would never have had the conversation in my head, do I play Waddle or do I play Williams? Mm -hmm. Do I play Woods or do I play Williams? Do I play Pittman or do I play Williams? Like that's kind of my argument here for the scare is that if you have guys like that on your team, you might really want to look at the matchup this week and decide like, is it worth it for me to roll it out with Mike Williams? If it doesn't go well and he gets a few deep shots and they don't connect, he Mm -hmm. might hit me with a three, four or five pointer. And I don't know if you can afford to do that when what, like you and I expect Jalen Waddell just like kind of pencil him in for 12 against the Ravens and then see what happens from there. That was exactly right. what I was going to
1: say, was why why risk potentially getting that three-point week when you could get 12, and then Mike Williams, let's say he's on your bench and he does pop off, fine. Then he proves to you that he's back and he can do that, but you don't screw yourself by getting a three-point week.
0: Yeah, and I've had a little bit too much of that going on recently, which has been rough, but I think speaking of, Jalen Waddle being the man, who's your prayer for this week?
1: Yeah, my first prayer... Or I guess the first prayer, our first prayer, to a Tago Um, it's a little bit of a homer pick, yeah, but you have to look at who they're facing. The Ravens secondary is not the greatest defending the pass. It's a prime time game. They rested to an extra an extra week, uh, I guess an extra game. I thought it was smart for them not to play him against the Texans. Like I really, I to be honest, I was like, I don't care if we were to lose this game now that two is sitting out because they're doing that to keep him healthy for the rest of the season. Fine. That this is where it leads me into why I think he's going to be a good play. We saw two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he finished as the QB two. Like, who's to say he doesn't do that against a bad secondary? Like, I, I think it, I think the the what's the word phrase I'm looking for here? It's 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 in the, that's in his future is a great week. Do I think it's a QB two week? No, but like I could see Tua finishing in the top 10 this week for sure.
0: Yeah, I could too. I think that's definitely on tap for him. It's just, it's tough to lock in that Thursday game, but yeah. there'll be a lot of decisions on my end in particular for looking at that. Um, my prayer for what it's worth, man, like I think this might be one of the last weeks it's not in the square category for him is James Conner. Uh, it's just incredible how well he has played. In my mind, almost quietly, Like, I don't hear a lot of people just ringing the bell for James Conner at this point. But he has been double digits every single week since, what, like the past three weeks he's been double digits, including like a 30-point game here this last week. Six out of his last seven, you've got double-digit games out of him, and now he's going to get a chance to roll out without Chase Edmonds against the Panthers defense. That's a no-brainer. Like, if you're sitting on guys that you have high draft capital in. So I'm thinking you're – Daryl Henderson's Josh Jacobs of the world, right? Guys that you probably took much earlier than James Conner. Like there's probably a lot of people out there with guys like Jacobs and Henderson in what round four, round five, round six. Yeah. You know, James Conner is a guy you might've gotten around 10 or round 11. And sometimes when you draft a guy a lot later, you're slower to think of him as he's a new square for yeah. me. So my prayer is going to be James Conner, lighten it up for a, uh, let's say, let's go bull. Let's say James Conner is going to go for 15. half PPR points this week. That's going to require like a touchdown and probably at least 70 yards and some other work to go with it. But that's kind of what I think we expect to see from him at this point, which says a lot about where he's come. Uh, And then on our way out of here T, am going to give you one more just because I'm so excited about this game for Thursday and can't wait to either attend it or watch it at home. However, that ends up going, but I wrestled a lot with whether or not I was going to go Rashad Bateman prayer. So I'm going to give you like a different sort of prayer for this week. And this is how, We're going to see how this pans out at the end. But I'm going to take Rashad Bateman for his first double-digit game of the year. I don't think he's got one that's on tap yet. I'm hoping we get our first Rashad Bateman touchdown of the season in this game on Thursday. But I may regret this later. Slam the over on Thursday night, Tony Uh and everybody else listening and watching the show. I'm going to call for Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, along with Jalen Waddell, Miles Gaskin and Mike Kasicki. We're going to go for a special six player all double digit prayer. Wow. That's the kind of game that I see having here on Thursday. And I know sometimes oh. people are never, never sure if you want to lock in your guy on Thursday and handicap yourself for the rest of the week. But man, you got Kasicki, go get him. You got Gaskin, go get him. You got Waddle. You got Marquise Brown, no brainer. You're playing those guys. You got Mark Andrews; he falls in the no brainer category as well. Rashad Bateman's probably the biggest prayer out of that group, but I'm thinking we get a lot of offense out of those six particular players. I'm looking for all six to go for double digits by the time we meet here next week, and a very, a very exciting Dolphins come from behind victory. That we're gonna see on Thursday night. That's my prayer for you, buddy. Don't do
1: that to me. That's just getting me all hyped up, man. I <laughs> I'm say, feeling good
0: about it, man. We'll, I, we'll I go. Say, uh,
1: I think Gaskin. It's one of those. He's an every other week kind of guy, and right now we're sitting at every other week. Like he, he had 15 yeah. since though last week. So, I, look, I'm hoping you're right. I'm hoping you're right, but it's one of those weeks for Miles. So we'll see.
0: Well, I'm feeling it, so we'll uh, we'll go fins up for this week and then see see what we get by the time we meet here next Tuesday that'll do it for us I know we ran a little bit over time a lot of content longer show today so if you stuck with us all the way since the beginning we absolutely appreciate each and every one of you that takes time out of your week to listen to us we are Justin and Tony from JWB here to help you crush your competition you can find us as always at JWB underscore FF on Twitter Tony is It's Just Fantasy I'm Will underscore FF As always, hit the website, hit the Twitters, hit the comments on YouTube, like, subscribe, tell us what we can do to make your life a little bit better. Thank you. Take care.